public education is funded poorly in Texas. 90% of the people who are coming out into our, in our job market to keep Texas strong and as an economy are coming out of public schools. We believe 100% vouchers are bad policy. Produced by Podcast Architects. Welcome back to another episode of The Path Forward. We're here in Dallas at TechSedCon, and I have a very special guest, Amy Dotson from Raise Your Hand, Texas. Good Welcome. morning. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. It's Friday morning. We're sitting around looking at across the, the, the exhibit hall. It's a beautiful day to see some talk, some public ed, and just engage. I love it. You know, we're, we're stationed by the buses, so I got a little anxiety thinking that we're going to have to go do uh, car rider duty. As a, as a former principal and superintendent and teacher, like, it just gives me a little anxiety about the buses You're running looking for the cones. You're looking for the bullhorn. I'm looking for looking... my walkie and, and my watch <laughs> and making right. sure, like, hey, we got we to gotta get them. Where's first grade? We first gotta... <laughs> grade. Come up. Next up. Second grade. No, ma'am. Sit down. They got to roll. They got to roll. <laughs> That's right. Count them. Count them and let's get them That's out. Right. So, That's right. Yeah, a little flashback there. But let's talk Raise Your Hand, Texas. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, I'm very familiar with it, but for those that don't know, what is it? What's the mission, the vision, and how do you support educators? I tell you what, I love to explain Raise Your Hand Texas to folks that, that are unfamiliar. And sometimes they think, oh, you're pretty new, right? It's like, no, back in 2006. So we've been around 17 years. Has it been that long? It's been 17 years. It's kind of hard to believe. But in 2006, kind of similar to today, honestly, a lot of negativity around public education, a lot of headline grabbing, you know, about failures right. and, and just things that we know as educators just were not true. Um, and we're, we needed to push back a little bit. And so Charles Butt um, and a group of engaged citizens, but led by Mr. Butt, founded Raise Your Hand Texas and said, we need someone to step up and step in the void for teachers and for students and for public education in general. And, and you, you ask about our mission. I always sum it up in our motto. Our motto is the future of Texas is in our public schools. And, and that's it. I mean, that Absolutely. is the key piece. We know that all of our business, our future doctors, our HVAC, our pilots, everybody. our lawyers, everybody. AI. AI, everything. Our drill, I mean, our, our people out in the West Texas Permian Basin that's drilling right. oil. I mean, you name it. 90% of the people who are coming out into our, in our job market to keep Texas strong and as an economy are coming out of public schools. It's vital that we do the right thing for public schools. So raise your hand, Texas. We we work uh, in Austin, and then now with my role, we work across the state to get people engaged and to really speak up about public education for good legislation, good policy. So what led you to be a part? Like, I'm, I'm assuming, hey, I just want to do this and, and see what this is about, so. You know, it goes back, it's so funny, you know how there's just those intervening points in your life that if you look back and go, wow, that was a God thing. Mm -hmm. um, in 2016, Raise Your Hand Texas decided to do a grant project for okay. blended learning, which is a dynamic instructional redesign model. Uh, that's I spent years and years in higher ed, but had been in K-12 for a few years as an administrator in instruction. And so when that uh, grant application came out, I went after it and I was one, our district uh, where I was, was one of the five original winners. Oh. And so we were a test site across the state and then they sent me to Harvard. We have great programs where we send school leaders to Harvard mm -hmm. for leadership training. By the way, I could never get accepted. That's, that's, we'll talk about that <laughs> It was later. clearly an oversight. It was oh, an oversight, Rick, clearly. Mine got lost in the mail. It, it did. It did. In fact, I may have seen it. <laughs> but uh, they sent me to Harvard and, and just a phenomenal um, 
it's not where you learn how to do something. Right. It's just about being a better leader. So I got really engaged with Raise Your Hand through that work. And then in 2019, uh, Mr. Butt and the, the leadership at Raise Your Hand Texas said, you know what, if we're going to really effectively advocate for good things in Austin, we have got to get the perspective from the field. We need to be out in the field knowing and hearing and listening. And so they put together the regional advocacy program and hired folks that are specialists in our area. So for me, I'm West Texas, uh -huh. central to West. So I cover about 69 counties. I work with about 245 school districts wow. and chambers of commerce and parents and teachers and students and anyone who will talk to me because everyone is impacted by public ed. Absolutely. So, so it's great. So that's how I got in and have been four. In fact, tomorrow is my four year anniversary. I was one of the original uh, regional folks. So four years tomorrow. Well, congratulations. We Thank you. It's, it's, it's my work anniversary tomorrow. Well, let's jump into some of the hot topics, right? And there I've, are a few. Yes, they are. <laughs> I've always been one that if someone says they have a better way or we can do something different and it's going to be more efficient or it's going to help kids, whatever the case, I'm always, I'll listen. Like, sure. So we have, there's this big, movement mm -hmm. um, for school choice, mm -hmm. vouchers. Mm -hmm. um, and there's some a lot of information and it's hard to sometimes decipher which pieces are accurate, what's not accurate. From your perspective, how would vouchers affect public education? You know, it's really interesting. You know, one of the reasons that Raise Your Hand was founded all those years ago, there were two topics that were driving a lot of that narrative. One was pre-K. We wanted pre-K. We know the data showed us that pre-K, strong pre-K, right. really helps. We know that. Mm -hmm. The other piece was vouchers. So this is not a new conversation. No. I mean, it's been around for a long, long time. And I think the, the unique benefit for us as Texans, we like to lead on everything, right? However, we can look around in other parts of the country and we can learn. We can be informed. And I think if you look around the country at voucher programs, uh, there's a lot of data. None of it is really showing any improvement academically for students who are in voucher programs. Uh, we look at the, the financial impact and burden on sure. states, even states that in the last year with this new huge national push toward this, um, this taking of public money, which is what vouchers are, right? Sure. You take public money and you, you put it in However you boil it down. However yes. you boil it down or whatever you call it, it comes down to taking public money that was collected in Texas constitutionally to go to public education and putting it to a private school. And so when you look around the country and look at other programs similar to what we would like, some people in this country, in this state would like to follow, um, it's very difficult to see where it is beneficial other than the people who were already in the private schools. Hmm. It becomes a tax break. What we hope with a special session, you know, we've got, you talk about hot topics, we've got a special session coming. What we really hope, we believe 100% vouchers are bad policy. Taking public money, giving it to an unaccountable private school that no one, they're not going to take the same accountability measures, sure. STAR, we can talk about STAR. They're not going to take that. They do not have to take or serve special ed students. They obviously do not have to take, they talk about parent choice. It really is the school's choice. The schools can make the decisions, no, you're too much of a, you're too difficult or too right. expensive to educate. Public schools have to do all those things. And we have open fiscal uh, you yes. know, responsibility yes. and accountability. Transparency, yes. Transparency, yes, thank you. And the local school boards, you know, the best government's the closest to it. So local elected school boards, when parents have a concern, they can go right to their school board and have a have an engagement here. So there, it's bad policy in our opinion, and I hope we can change the conversation to, man, let's, let's fund our schools. We've got $33 billion in surplus, and we walked away with not giving anything. No teacher raises, no increases to, to funding. So I hope that we, we're gonna have a conversation around vouchers. 
our position is bad policy, but let's talk about what we really need to do to help schools and let's put the money that way. So if I was going to argue the other side of it, mm -hmm. right? Has it been successful? Now? What would I be pointing to to say, hey, this works here or this works, see the success of the of vouchers or, or um, funding public education in a different form? Does it work anywhere? Is there a model that, that's been pointed to that said, hey, it's, it's, it's been knocking it out of the park? I think that the best way to answer that question is if you look at Michigan State University, Josh Cowan, I believe is his name, um, did some research years ago, about over a decade ago. Right. You know and started having the conversation about vouchers and looked, and he was a proponent and he started looking at data and thinking, oh, this is, a, this is a good model. So to your point about looking for some successes, if you follow him now, he is the strongest, largest, loudest anti-voucher person based on data. He said, I used to be in this camp, but now I'm looking at the data. This is decimating. Right. This is decimating the public ed. It's unsustainable fiscally. It, 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 it separates students and you've got haves and have nots. And it's a system that is not viable. And so I think that's the best answer there is to look at someone who was a pro and who used data sure. and now is on the other side going, whoa. And a litany of information out there that can show and to point to the issue uh, and how it's not successful and not sustainable. So you mentioned accountability and we're going into a new mm -hmm. A through F, right? And, and as being a part of, of STAR and TAX and all of the iterations of accountability. <laughs> yeah, all, um, the, all the acronyms. And I, and I know as a, as, a, as a teacher, as a principal, as a superintendent, how much emphasis mm -hmm. we put into that, whether rightfully or wrongfully, it is what we do because it's what people say you are, right? right, right. Um, How's that changing? It's going to, it feels like the deck is being shuffled again for us to figure out. It what. is. And, and they're changing the cards. We, you know, we, we had old maid cards and now we've got <laughs> Uno cards and no one told us that we were switching the deck. You know, it's like, okay, you're playing old maid. And now what scores are going to yeah. be released? By the way, we were really playing Uno, which that's, that's, it's, I mean, it's kind of a stretch and it's laughable, but it's really not. Yeah. I mean, they really have changed, you know, to your point, your experience, and you know this. Students are not one day, one test. No. They're not, they can't be boiled down that way, nor can schools be pulled down that way. And you know, we need accountability. No one in education has ever said, don't hold us accountable. Sure. Don't, that's not it. I mean, we're teachers, we give tests all the time. I mean, this is part of the makeup and DNA, the iteration of education is about testing and moving and, and adjusting and, and learning. Absolutely. For right now, the situation we have is an accountability system that is supposed to be fair and transparent and communicate to communities and parents exactly what's going on. Right. But when you go and talk to parents, which we did, Raise Your Hand Texas just wrapped uh, a year and a half work on Measure What Matters, which is about, let's just see, what do Texans think a good school is? And when you ask them and ask parents, they have no idea that elementary and middle school, so three through eight, there is no impact in that metric of the letter grade they're given that's not about STAR. None. It's 100% star-based. So that's one day, one test on the backs of eight, nine-year-old third graders on how they do on that one test. And parents start, they go, wait a minute, I, I thought this was telling me if my kid was safe, if my kid was happy, right. if they got fed, if they had all these things. None of that, none of that right. is a part. So one of the things that we have done, just, and I'll get to your question specifically, but is really talk about, let's de-emphasize the star. It's good. Let's have it. That's fine. We need a test, but let's de-emphasize that. Let's talk about all the things that schools do that, mm -hmm. that they're required by law to do and should be doing well. So let's do that. Right now, the new system that's uh, there's lawsuits. It's been pretty public. A lot of districts keep adding on every day to the lawsuits to TEA. And the situation was this. Without warning and without any time to transition, 
the goalpost was moved. Right. They did not tell us what the what the uh, metrics would be in order to get a certain accountability grade. They changed it. Did not tell us until after class after the tests were already taken. And on top of that, they changed the test. They ramped it up. They added all fully online for some students, especially third and fourth grade, fifth grade, this is the first time they've ever taken an online test. And now it's the one day, it's the one test, and that's gonna go to their score. All these changes happening at the same time, which makes it very, very problematic. And then to top it off for accountability for high schools, they changed the CCMR, the College and Career Military Readiness Standards, which is a big piece of, of high school because high schools do have more than just the STAR test. Oh, absolutely. They've got other things, but the CCMR scores are based on the students that graduated a year ago. During the last few months, TEA has changed the measure that you could, in order to get your earn your letter grade or your portion of your letter grade from CCMR, they've changed those numbers based on students that graduated over a year ago. There is nothing schools can do. This is completely out of their hands and it's going to impact them. So a lot of discussion around accountability right now. Is it safe to say that schools are expecting lower grades? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why, why, why would we do that? Is that, I mean, I'm at, obviously I'm asking to speculate. Yeah. Um, is it political? Is it we're trying to figure out a better system? Is it, no, we really want to push growth? Can it be all the above? It can be. I, 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 think, that, I think that's the best answer. You know, I'm not going to ever try to put myself in the mind of, of our public servants, sure. our elected officials. I respect them and appreciate their service so very much. It's who would want to be in politics? I, I mean, honestly, in yeah, this day and age, it's no. very difficult. So I will not put myself in their space. But I think all the above has to be a reasonable answer. I think we do want growth. Who doesn't? And that's the key. You talk about schools expecting lower grades. They are. And they're trying to get in front of this and talk to their communities and try to explain something yeah. that's very difficult to explain. Yeah. That their students will show growth. Most of these schools are going to drop a letter grade. Their students have grown. They have done growth, which is what most people in the community, business owners, parents, expect. And yet they're going to have a lower grade. Trying to explain that to even to educators, but must, much less somebody walking around the street going, did you know your school went from a B to a C or from a D to an F? No, that's terrible. You know, yeah. what's going what are they on? Doing? Exactly. And it, the bottom line is they probably did a better job than they did last year, but someone changed the game and changed the rules after we started playing. So the amount of pressure that teachers and educators are feeling, I mean, it's <laughs> got to be immense, right? Grist mill. And, and, I have, I'm fortunate to be able to, to travel to other uh, states and talk to other superintendents and, and view how other, the other half is living um, <laughs> to some degree. But the, the constant is teachers are leaving the profession. Educators yeah. are leaving the profession. Superintendents are leaving the profession. Mm -hmm. Crisis. They finally used the word crisis last oh, summer. Like, well yeah. beyond, yeah. well beyond that. Um, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? And how do we help retain? Sure. You know, it's really funny. One of the most broadly quoted statistics on teachers leaving the profession was actually our sister organization, the Charles Buck Foundation. Uh, CBF does really rich polling every year on a lot of different things. And so the most widely quoted statistics in New York Times everywhere was 77% of teachers are seriously considering leaving the I profession. Yeah. Well, good news. They The newest poll, it went down. Now only 75% of teachers, <laughs> seriously, hey, we gained two points. We'll take it. Um, it is. It's really, really tough. You, you know, as I talk to teachers and I talk to higher ed folks that are doing teacher ed prep, we have this constant. Let's let's just let's just lay it out. Yeah. We're, they're not paid. 
I mean, they're, no. we are, as a state, I mean, teachers across the country are underpaid. We know that. This is not a uniquely Texas But Texas situation. is at the bottom. Texas is at the bottom. Exactly. Even though it's a state, it's a national issue, it is a state issue. We are thousands of dollars behind. I think the number, and, and I could be incorrect, but seven to $8,000 less than even the average uh, nationwide. So teachers in Texas are paid far less. Health insurance, our teachers' oh, health insurance premiums are horrible. They cannot keep up. I, I, I have to say this. So coming to the private sector, my insurance is so much better and so much cheaper and so much more responsive. The options, it, it, it was a shock to me that it was that vastly different. Oh, I, I, same with me, Rick. It's same re- with I me. mean, I was like, oh my God, this is this 28 is years ridiculous. in education, I walked out and I went, I, I'm sorry, what? I get vision? I can get, I can do this. In the great example, I've got two teachers in, in my region that I, I just love and adore. Both, they're uh, two different school districts, husband and wife, over 20 years in education, both of them. They have two children. Health insurance is so expensive and cost prohibitive for them. Neither of their own children have health insurance. Oh, Neither of them. How is that possible? Two dedicated professionals, educated, well-trained, doing the work. And it's so expensive. So between insurance and pay, but we also, this... There, if you go look at the headlines right now, we, it's hard to find a positive headline that, uh, about education. It's just teachers this. And, and there are all these rumors and stories that come out, some of it national that gets put upon Texas teachers. And I think that is a huge drive out. Um, in my area, we got a lot of, well, even in Austin, you know, housing is an issue. When teachers are thousands of dollars below, I've they got, can't afford oh, and the housing through the roof, you can't afford to live. So I want to give kudos to Austin ISD. I have some friends there and that they are trying to mm-hmm. build teacher housing yeah. to, to, to do some things to help kind of help the, the, the gap. And it is a huge gap. Well, who would want to go into this? You're, you're going to, you may go into debt in higher ed to get your certification to go do this. You're going to get paid less, not have good insurance. And you're going to, and the housing market is right now, at least in the foreseeable future, you'll never own your own house. How is that attractive? And people are going to badmouth you and say you're doing this and that. I tell you what, Austin's finally doing it and I'm glad they are. But this has been a problem in rural Texas for oh, years. And mm-hmm. the Permian Basin, I mean, places like Borden County and La Mesa and uh, Odessa, they've been having to provide housing for staff for years yes. because it's hard to get people out there. Uh, Pecos Barstotoya uh, ISD out just to the west of the Permian Basin, they, um, many, many districts are landlords. But PBT has always had different housing options, but they broke ground last fall or this spring on a brand new 64-unit apartment complex. That they're they're having to build yeah. to be able to take your care capital of teachers. projects are, are going to start be, exactly every district is going to start having to add that and that's in. more and more on schools we're putting well, they already do all the litany of things we expect them to do yep. but now they have to be landlords Got because to. teachers don't have places to live that's that's absolutely true yeah. but that's how you recruit them I mean you have to retain them you don't I, ask that question I know. you got to do those things we do a lot of work with public private partnerships because of the need mm-hmm. school districts can't fund it universities right. can't fund it so they're asking help to get creative and do alternative deliveries yeah creative. and so you're seeing that spread. Um, and, you know, the thing about business, so Texas is is well known for business mm-hmm. and industry. And, proud and, of it. And the governor touts that, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. I lo- I'm proud of that for Texas. Mm-hmm. But there's a disconnect between do you think the businesses are going to keep coming here if our education system. It's a great question. How, how do we sustain that? They're going all of All of the workforce is going to come from out of state if our public schools aren't supplying and aren't funded. There's a huge disconnect mm-hmm. uh, with that sentiment. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm. It, it is. It's, you know, we're so proud of, and, and we should be, we're proud Texans and I'm so grateful. Our business community is phenomenal in the state and growing and we're, we're well, we welcome them and we welcome the new folks to Texas. We're, we come join the family. Absolutely. The, the governor last week, rightly so, and, and grateful to it, acknowledged our Blue Ribbon schools. And one of the things he said was, we have great public schools, 
because we get we provide them all the resources they need to be successful. And I would just push back on that a little bit and say, let's look at the numbers. We are in the bottom 10 in funding. Sure. I don't care what metric you use, Texas public schools are in the lowest schools and states in the state. Public education is funded poorly in Texas. We have not given an increase to the basic allotment in over four years. 2019 was the 2019 was the last time we raised the basic allotment, which is that founding fundamental piece where we pay right. for our gas. We pay for our food in the cafeteria. I had a student, you'll love this, as a former superintendent, I had a student on Monday, I told you I was teaching some classes uh, out west, and a, a senior, when I was talking about what their issues, what do they get excited about, or what are they upset about, you know, and one student, typical high school kid, the cafeteria. And I said, okay, well, tell me about that. And he said, well, he said, they raised the prices. I'm paying $4 for my lunch this year. And it was just the perfect thing. I said, well, hang on a second, buddy. Can I tell you what might be behind that? Do you know that your schools haven't been given any more money to pay? I ask, How much do you pay at the grocery store? Are you paying more at the grocery store and at the gas pump? Yeah. You know, your schools have got no more money to fill up the buses and to pay. Your, so they're, so they can't charge. They're not going to charge you. They're going to provide that service to you in terms of the, the bus. But if they have to raise the price in the cafeteria, they may have to. So we have got to truly commit to that put the resources put the funding 33 billion dollars in surplus needs to be directed to pay our teachers if we're going to retain them and to take care of our schools i think i have i want to float this possible solution okay. right um and it's not an easy one if it's a good one i'm taking it to austin oh you can take it because i so i am very very passionate love everything career and tech education mm -hmm. um love the the innovation behind it i think we need to do more to to innovate I think if we partnered with business instead of eh, just some here and there and, and career days and field trips, but if we integrated with business more heavily, right? Like there's internships, not just true internships, yeah. Internships. And the businesses are so interconnected with the schools, mm -hmm. all of a sudden that changes the, the narrative in the field, right? Because all of those voters, all of those all of those business owners, everyone has a, a stake, a vested interest, because not only is it in their community, but now they're potential employees. Right. They're, they're, there's a relationship. And I've seen that in, in small doses, but I think that could do a great deal of kind of bridging that gap where people that are like, ah, you know, I don't have a I don't have a, a, a stake in the game mm -hmm. or I, I really don't care. Or, you know, Hey, I just want to run my business and get tax breaks and rightfully so I get that. But if everybody is connected into the district in a, in a different way, in an intimate way, mm -hmm. I think some of that would start to change. I think some of the, the opinions or, or whomever is, you know, spouting, ah, this is, we need to do away with it. Mm -hmm. I think that could change. I think we all want to go there we're all looking for the same end goal, right? I mean, to your yes. point, I mean, we want to be successful businesses and these are our people. I think that that's happening more and more. I, th I think you're absolutely 100% right. I think we're seeing it more in the, you know, the larger communities, the, the urban areas, where perhaps at one point there was a disconnect between the schools and, and the business sector that that needs to be. And I think it is really enhancing. I think there's some great work happening in Houston. There's some great work happening in the, in the Metroplex area for rural Texas, I think we've always kind of seen that that's a real need. And you look at some of the dynamic new CTE centers, to your point about the CTE, mm -hmm. I mean, Amarillo, phenomenal, 
beautiful new center that they are really doing dynamic things in Odessa, where I am, or where a lot of my folks are that I work with. Um, the the automotive industry has really gotten with them and, and donated old bays, you know, to say let's make sure we're doing auto sure. tech. Um, there's one you can ask about retaining teachers. There's one district that I work with out west near the Permian Basin that their new CTE center they put uh, a woodworking area, like really craft, like construction mm-hmm. trades. And one of the things they're doing is they are teaching and training their students how to build tiny houses. So tiny, I mean, it's a big deal, right? So they're building tiny houses, but their thought is when those tiny houses are built, some of them they'll sell as a, as a, to keep putting back into that program. The others they're going to put on land that the school district has to help house teachers. So it's, it's really working together. I think there's a lot of creative things that could happen, but between CNA and HVAC and welding and I mean, we really need in the Permian Basin, we need more people trained in, you know, oil field type mm-hmm. things. I mean, just the basic thing. What is the driving economic market in a community and how does the school work and partner with that? And the communication needs to be stronger. I think it's getting better, it is. but it absolutely needs to get stronger. It is. I, I would say that we need to evaluate how we sell things to students. 100%. Because we see the, and I, we were having a conversation after, after our Talis event about what we liked and what, that's all well. We like how we experience things. Sure. We think of school how well, we Back in the day. Like, yeah, well, because that everybody does, mm-hmm. right? But selling certain programming to, to 15-year-olds, to 14-year-olds, it, sometimes it doesn't resonate. And we're like, why can't, why is this not working? This is, you know, $120,000 job walking out the door mm-hmm. with a shift kit, and we can't figure out where the miss is. And I think sometimes it's who's the mentor, how are we selling it, and how do we make, make it, digestible for mm-hmm. students that they're going to be interested yeah. in. And it has to go up, you know, realistically, and you well know, any sort of change in the CTE, what's really need that dynamic mm-hmm. instant pivot change to, to create a program that's beneficial for the market right at that moment. Yes is sometimes difficult to execute because it still has to go through channels to have a curriculum made and the curriculum set up and then and then to get funded because bottom line the schools they can't just put a program into place and right. fund it out of their own pocket. They don't they don't have a pocket like that. But <laughs> but if the relationship with the industry is there I I I work for Accenture. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you if Accenture called mm-hmm. TEA and said, "Hey, I've got an AI program that I want to implement in 6 months and I'm going to dump $500 million into it because we need coding. We need, mm-hmm. I bet we figure out a way, I bet TA will figure out a way to, to make that happen very quickly. I think you're right. I think and, those are the conversations that need to happen. I, I think it ha- may happen locally, but it, I think you're right. I think that's the phone call, you know, absolutely. it's like, Hey, we've got this. And, and if you've got that Ex- plan, Accenture, put Accenture, that don't, forward. don't fire me over that. I didn't just get us on the <laughs> I hook. Know, I heard it's million. recorded. I don't know. Please, please don't. But, uh, <laughs> but it, you're right. I mean, the, the business, the businesses can drive this. We need more engagement with business top to bottom, east to west, north to south. We need the, the engagement, the communication. Absolutely. We need that at the local district level and we need it at the state level. I mean, not just, and, and, and in that positive constructive way you just laid out, not a finger pointing no, no. or anything like that, that constructive, like, Hey, this is something we need. You have our future employees. Let's work together to get this. Like, inter- that's the, that is. It's all interconnected. Yeah. It's all And if one sector, one portion of our community is suffering, the rest of it will suffer. And you may not see it overnight, but it will eventually erode. Yeah. So, okay. If someone wants to get involved with Raise Your Hand Texas, yeah. so they want to learn about Raise Your Hand Texas, mm-hmm. where do they go? Who do they talk to? Can I give them your cell number? Yeah, absolutely. My cell number is out there. I'm joking. Out there. I'm joking. Don't, don't, don't put that on there. <laughs> it's on the website. You'll find it. Um, absolutely. We would love to. I mean, one of the things that I do as a regional director, and I have a whole team, uh, we have a team that is across the state. There is not a community in Texas that does not have someone like me 
in it or accessible to it that sure. serves that area. So a couple of different things. If you want to get involved and learn more about us, uh, get white paper information about issues like funding, vouchers, accountability, we've got them all out there. You can go to raiseyourhandtexas.org. So raiseyourhandtexas.org. If you want to get engaged, like I said, you can find all sorts of information on the, the website, but you can also, right at the top of our website, there's a, plart, uh, a link that says get involved makes it super simple. We have a, a newsletter that comes out every Friday during the legislative session called Across the Lawn. We're very creative because our offices nice. are across the lawn yeah. from the Capitol. We're right there. Um, and then we don't, it doesn't go out regularly out outside of session, sure. but it does come out. And we want to make sure we keep it simple. Four things you need to know and one thing you can do right this minute awesome. to help public ed. So that's there. And then if they want to if they want to be ready to act, we have the special session we mentioned coming up. This is this is critical. If you care about public education, we need to be paying attention to this special session coming up. The, the governor has not called it yet, but we're hearing, he said, this week in two weeks. So middle of October-ish. If you want to be able to take action to stand with public schools, with your teachers, with the 5.4 million children that are in our public schools, we have a, a text alert system like a lot of folks have. We only utilize that during session when, and I always say, when the house is on fire. You know, it's like, it's not like, oh, this is what's happening. You should know. It's like, no, we need your voice right this minute. And you can join that very simply by using your cell phone and texting to the number 40649. And then your message should read, raise my hand all together. So 40649, the words raise my hand. If you do that, that'll put you in our system in about less than a minute. And then you're ready to go. If we activate that, like, woohoo, we need your voice right this minute. It comes right to your phone, makes it super simple. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. It was great visiting. Thank you. You'll come back and maybe after session, you'll come back and we'll see hey, where let's, we are. Let's sit, let's sit down and see where we are. I, you know, I wish I had the crystal ball, but I hope it's better. We, we need to release some of that funding and take care of our teachers at our schools. Absolutely. Be great. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Produced by Podcast Architects.